Hello and welcome to Plus One to Gaming. Chris here, and this week's episode is an impromptu discussion before session six of our Deep and Creeping Darkness playthrough, as we discuss how to bring storytelling elements, particularly from cinema, into Dungeons and Dragons games. It was fun as filmmakers and storytelling nerds discussing how the beats used on screen can make our games more dramatic, and we hope you enjoy this discussion. Don't forget to subscribe to plus1togaming.com for episode updates and other good stuff delivered straight to your inbox. Let's get into it. Chernobyl? No, I heard um, it was really I good. I started it, but didn't get very far. Oh my god, it's a fucking masterclass. It's excellent. Yeah, it was really good, but I I got to like the third episode and wasn't in the mood for like slothing skin. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, brutal. I was it, like, it, gets, shit. it gets brutal. Fuck, I loved it. Um but in like one of the first episodes the power plant blows up and it's like oh. rain, it's like raining ash on like the and like the whole village or like town comes out to like watch it because it's the fucking middle of the night and there's a huge fire. Um, and, and it shows the ash like raining down on them and like kids are catching it in their tongue thinking it's uh, snow. Oh, God. And, and that's yeah, like that that's like one of the scene. it was it's one of the best examples of dramatic irony because we know that that shit is radioactive and they don't. And it, it just like makes it, it it pulls so much of an emotion out of you. Um, that's that's the theme that I learned what dramatic irony was. I yeah. like I'm, there was like a video later and I was like, oh, fuck. I but do distinctly remember that first episode being so good. Yeah, but there's. I don't know, I, I, the, the the podcast that I'm listening to, they have a ton of episodes and they, they go like bit by bit like they'll do those things like they did one on melodrama they did one on like setups and callbacks uh setups and callbacks they did fury road and they're like almost there's like one thing in the first 20 minutes of the movie that doesn't come back later in some way like it's all setups and callbacks and it like feels really satisfying because like it's a world that they have to build as they go like we we kind of know that world but this is the new part of it I don't know. It's just super. It's a really interesting podcast, and it's two like Aussies, so it's fun to listen to them talk. <laughs> I think it's always cool to get those technical details and learn yeah. those different layers and nuances in in storytelling like that. Yeah, like I've again, like you know, you hear like right for emotion, right for this, but this is like here's here's the the tool to do that. Yeah, It'd be and cool I've never to... seen that before. It'd be cool to figure out how do you kind of translate some of those emotional evocation skills or abilities into a DM, you know, player relationship and in, in terms of the role playing games. Yeah, I think I've thought of it. Um, and like what like what's like what's the analogous thing? Like what tools can you actually deploy to, to do that? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's I mean, some of them for sure. I don't know. It's kind of hard. It's just such a different, like if you get into the exposition part, probably you could, you can like employ some of these things, but a lot of them, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. I was reading something on Reddit that was like, you know, I've been setting up this world and this twist for a long time. And then one of my players just shouts it out like two years ahead of time. Cause they like <laughs> figured it out. Like, 
sometimes people are going to be fumbling in the dark and accidentally hit the switch. Yeah. And you're like, shit. <laughs> like, like the, the, like, I can't think of a different word, like the, not competitive, but like the, um, cooperative storytelling makes, makes a lot of these things. I imagine you can do them because like Griffin does stuff like this, but his, his, it's much more storytelling than it is like actual play. Yeah. Um, well, I guess but I'm like, sure, you know, I've only listened to like four of these podcasts. I'm sure there are tons of things that like, like one of them is building a compelling um, anti-hero, like how to make people sympathize with an unlikable character. Right. Yeah. That's so a good one. that, that could probably easily translate over. This- I feel like a lot of people need that. I see, <laughs> I see a lot of like DM Academy and subreddit posts about like, how do we deal with, this alignment issue yeah and like i feel like the answer most at least in my mind the easiest answer is like role play but that's (laughs) but that's not specific enough for people they're like i don't know how to tell a story i'm just you know i'm here for the story so if i have to take that on as a player i can see just people you know who aren't doing research on storytelling like that like you are because you're interested in it that might be an interesting topic for a conversation of like how uh, in your games, how to play or portray compelling antiheroes or antagonists mm-hmm. and give those like a way, a good driver for the party to like want to rally against. Mm-hmm. I think from a DM perspective, like it can be fun playing that villain and setting up these instances where the party can fail spectacularly so that they want to come back and like that, that struggle is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think that this one was more for like protagonists. Oh, okay. But the like like a Walter White or like the Punisher or whatever. Like these are not good people, but they are the protagonist of the story. They are the one that moves the plot. Yeah. Um that would be I another mean, interesting sure, conversation too. Exactly. I, I don't think that these I don't think these conversations are the same conversation, and I do think they are both interesting. Um because I'm they I don't know but they probably have like how to write compelling antagonists also. Yeah. They have like tons and tons of one thing of that I've, episodes. One thing that I read, I think it was from Penny Arcade a long mm-hmm. time ago when they first started dabbling into D and D one of the, um, I think I can't remember if it was Gabe or yeah, I think it was Gabe was sharing his um, just like his lessons learned through his DM journey. Cause he really got into it. Yeah. And he wrote an article about like, basically about trying to scare the player, not the character Mm. in terms of like things where like there's suspense or, you know, there's mechanics involved, like really focusing on trying to affect the, the person's emotion, not the player, because that, you know, kind of trickles out through the character. Like if you make the, if you shake the player, it's easier for them to be as the character, you know, shaken as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very rich topic because that, I think would take quite a bit of coaching mm-hmm. for me to get good at that. But in terms of those like actual tools to, to you know, evoke emotion in game, you know, there aren't mm-hmm. many, but I, that's one I would distinctly remember reading about. Yeah. But I, again, I think that those like that kind of like, that's like high level. It would be interesting, but I'm not sure. Like, I don't think I know how to do that. I Which tried. again would be, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, but maybe we do it, you know, Sometimes we do stuff and we don't realize that we're doing it. And then yeah. once you, yeah. oh, like now that there's like a framework that I can apply to it, I can actually like systematize this and use it more effectively. 
or even just if we can recognize, hey, here's some tools that we found to mm-hmm. you know try and evoke emotion. This is why we think it's important because we're a storytelling community. And, yeah. you know, the, this is how we're going, you know, we're going to try and roll it into our games and see what happens. Yeah. And I, I attempted some of that. I don't know if it's hit at all. Um, and I realized it was probably a tall order trying to run this thing. There's also another subtopic, I think, which is like, you're kind of like meta storytelling and how that plays into like meta gaming. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't, I don't know what all, I mean, I had a bunch of different ideas and, but I don't know how to get across that. Like, for instance, when you're coming to that Jedi keep that they're not going to let you in and that they're being threatening. But at the yeah. same time, I know that you guys know that this one shot is not going to have like, they're not written to, you know, like kill you or something. So it's a little tricky. So, so oh damn, I'm trying to think because the problem with listening to this podcast is I listen to it when I drive back and forth to work and then I get to work and I'm like, I need to take notes. <laughs> and when I get to my desk, I forget. Um, but one of them talked about like, not the Titanic, but there's like a movie where he's like, I know what happens. Like it's a real life thing. I know what happens at the end. How do you then get me involved in like the lower stakes things that happen throughout the movie? Like I know this person's going to live because they're alive today or whatever it is. So when like they get into trouble, there's no stakes. I know that Mm -hmm. they're fine. Um, So that it is like an interesting topic because you have to, you have to basically like make people, you have to draw them in enough to make them forget what they know outside. Yeah. That's cool. I mean that, yeah, that's could be a cool thing to add is like some kind of framework about stakes and how to mm-hmm. make them work for your story. Cause that's something that I think is seems hard. I've been watching some like critical role and stuff of other people playing. And yeah. it seems like a lot of people have a similar hang up, which is like everything is epic all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how does a interaction at the market feel like it has any stakes because if it did i think generally people would be more likely to role play those kinds of things but usually it's like i mean what what are the stakes there's nothing i go to the store whatever we'll just yeah yeah no that's a that's a good point like your general like in a in an inn in the market or whatever like none of that in the real grand scheme of things like matters yeah but it can be like skipping it i think is also a disservice yeah, I almost skipped an entire episode because about like 20 minutes in, I realized that they were just going to be shopping the whole time and they hadn't <laughs> even tended to do it. Yeah. Um, and then I read the description and it was like, you know, basically kind of like apologies if this one was boring. We just went to the market and like worked on upgrading our stronghold a bit. But there was so much fun role play stuff and they were having a great time with it. And like, of course, it's with Matt Mercer, so he's like pulling back in callback characters that are fun for them that live in town and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they were very apologetic on the stream about it. And by the time it was done, I was like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a huge battle. And I don't feel like I learned a lot about the mechanics of the game, but I learned a lot about role playing and how to like have fun with it. Yeah. But like <clears throat> he 
now that I'm thinking of it and like thinking of what you were talking about, the stories, like he added some stakes, you know, like their patron was like, oh, you don't have quite enough money. Like, what else can we work out here? And that kind of stuff. Yeah. Characters need like a challenge to overcome. And if it's yeah. a dragon or if it's we don't have enough to buy this like dinner tonight, like both can be compelling stories. If, if they just you just have to like you just have to live in it and figure it out again like D D is is hard compared to like storytelling like traditional storytelling because you don't get like the clean like hero's journey i get like and i've been thinking about this a lot listening to like screenwriting podcasts and and things like that like the hero's journey has like very i'm trying to say like very concrete this happens then this happens then this happens you more than likely can orchestrate those like as the dm you can hit those beats but your players are always the wild card yeah <laughs> like they're gonna zig when when you needed them to zag they're gonna spend 40 minutes talking to a cat when yeah like, they have oh, a throw- i speak talk to animal and you're like shit yeah bidu has a flying droid that you forget about yeah so you can find the characters hiding above yeah so like the the elements that you like set up for tension and stuff can like easily be done away with because like i cast speak to the dead like fuck it doesn't matter you could be like Stephen king and your characters are going to be more creative than you somehow yeah i mean it's it's there's like an analogy like there's a like the internet is basically infinite mind power uh, because of just how many people are on there and how, how much time you get to think like, so like game of Thrones with re- like revealing that Jon Snow was actually Rhaegar's son, spoiler alert, people figured that out like 10 years ahead of time. doesn't help that he, that Martin takes decades to write a damn book. But like, I remember reading about that in, when I lived in new Orleans way before it came out in the show and it still hasn't technically come out in the books, but like everybody can kind of work together and, and piece together the mystery way faster than you can write it. And that is on a smaller scale with your table. You know, you got three, four people. They collectively can think faster than you can think. And they have like kind of abilities and skills that amplify their ability to do that mechanically. Yeah, in the game they have more skills than you do. Yeah, um, but also just brain power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To like to get things done. I think uh, the the solution is difficult because it requires a more flexible system to be able to, and, and, and really just creativity and improv ability to kind of identify when these moments for like more emotional pushes and pulls can happen. And not like I think if you try to write them, you're doing yourself a disservice because the party's gonna zig always. Yeah. When you expect them to zag. I think I, I I agree. I think like it's something you potentially could go over in the zero session. Do we want to be a more cohesive? Do we want to tell a story together or do we want to play a game? Yeah. And like they don't necessarily need to be mutually exclusive, but like you could be in one camp more than you can be in the other camp on like the spectrum. So like even thinking of like critical role versus um, the adventure zone, the adventure zone, they, I feel like 
they are more on the same team. They are all together, like even with with the DM, like they are together to tell a story. Griffin will read like 10 minutes of exposition because he wrote this like beautiful scene or ending or whatever. And then he lets the characters play in like the gray area and, and they don't necessarily, I don't think a lot of times have the ability to affect the overall story. Now they can change like what happens when you get there, but the beats, I believe he writes out. I haven't listened to enough critical role, but I, I think it's more traditional D and D like there's a goal and that's the story is just getting to the goal. Whereas Griffin will like, will write the beats out. Uh, and you can tell because when they get there, he has like, again, like five minutes of him reading. But a lot of times that's where the emotion comes in for me mm-hmm. on Adventure Zone is when Griffin will take the reins and explain like what's happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Mercer structures stuff out. It feels very what I would expect to be classic D&D, like you're presented with a quest and along the way there's other things to do. Yeah. Um, but I think they bring in those other elements because of their expertise as actors and everything else. Like they're able to make really funny and interesting stories amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so it's like maybe he doesn't need to do as much of that because they're doing that part collaboratively. But, and his interest seems to be more in like the, the mechanics, the rules set, making cool things happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think that's, my preferred my preferred vision of a of an ideal dm let the players be the most creative ones and you handle the rules and keep things running smoothly and present the challenges and you know add add some context to the world mm-hmm. but you know as much as i love as the adventure zone like it's it's a different style where you have kind of the dm being more of a prominent player yeah. Does that make sense? Or character? Oh, right. Um, yeah. Versus yeah. like, I, I guess this is, and this is more just about your personal enjoyment perspective. I like to try and get it out of the way as much as I can so that the players themselves can be creative and tell most of the story. I, I agree. That's my preferred play style. Um, but that's because I'm playing a game. I don't want to hear somebody tell a story basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the way we play, we're mostly just playing through games yeah and like even a longer so that's where you like you you run into the gray area of the two because like like a longer long form like you have a story the dm has a story they want to tell or at least like a story they think will happen in their head based on (laughs) based on what like they have expectations yeah this is what i set up hopefully they'll do this this and this um but oftentimes like the players like we've said they'll zig and for me at least a lot of times i'm happier like i expected you all to do this and you did something different holy shit that's hilarious or that's you know like that's better than what i thought Mm -hmm. like those kind of natural like story beats coming out of of playing are I don't know. It's way more fun for, for me as a DM, at least. Here's a whole nother topic because I mean, everything, every little piece of the game is different, but I would have assumed that both of you would say the opposite of that because you enjoy the role play stuff so much. Mm -hmm. 
So that's interesting to me. But you would you would assume that we both liked the storytelling, like to play a yeah. game that's more storytelling. See, so I may have missed. I'm I'm worried maybe you're misunderstanding me then, because I think in a game that the DM is less involved in and it's not like quote unquote like their story, role playing is what makes the story. Hmm. Um. So, like again, my example of have you of the adventure zone, like very little, I feel like of like the plot points happen in role play between the characters. Like they, they don't, they kind of drive the plot, but not really like they're along for the ride and they have yucks along the way. And like, they do cool things. And it is one of my like all time favorite podcasts. I do really enjoy it because I'm listening to a story. Um, but playing, if the DM takes a step back and doesn't, I mean, the, the word railroad is like, comes, comes to mind a lot. Like this is the story I want to tell, sit back and listen. Uh, if the, if the DM takes a step back and lets the characters basically take over the story, that's where I think like the best role play oh, comes, yeah. comes out of. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. 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 Cause the characters then actually the players, actually drive the story then instead of the dm yeah yeah that totally makes sense but like kind of hearkening back to mark's comment about like meta either meta gaming or like meta storytelling the players have to be on board mm -hmm. like, right like we all have to have that little wink of like we're gonna do this like we're gonna be cooperative we're gonna play together we're gonna all try to do this like objective because otherwise you've got like internal division, like it, it just falls apart pretty quickly. So you all have to be in on the, on the joke a little bit. Yeah. I think that's why it would be so interesting to see how you can translate those other lessons from other media, even though that like constant layer of irony is, is almost always there. Yeah. Or at least maybe, maybe it should be just for the sake of, you know, mm -hmm. player buy-in. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm trying to think like for for like things that work well in traditional storytelling, you you can pull them into like as a DM, you can pull them in to pretty easily into like the the epilogue and prologue of your like even each session. Um, like use these things to set up the world, but like the middle part of the story more than likely you can, but it's, it's probably, it's much more challenging Yeah, uh, because that's the part of the story that the characters have control of. Well, and here, so here's an interesting, uh, little side, a twist to this conversation. What if you're running a book like storm King's thunder or the curse of Strahd or even these so, one shots? So like we're, you know, it's, at this point we're playing a game, but you're also mm -hmm. at the same time, you are very much playing through a, a story. Yes. And I feel like something like Curse of Strahd, like you could, and we've talked about it a little bit, like that, that game takes, if you play regularly, that book takes like two years to beat. You're not, I don't think, going to get like the emotional connection to like story beats in that long of time. So I, I don't know, I like maybe do it like episodically, like you have like small stories within the large story. Um, I don't know, to be fair, if like people who write these big adventures write them with screen writing emotional tricks in mind 
it's 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 more than likely not their goal. Yeah, I don't think they do necessarily. From everyone that I've ever read, because like when I when I get an adventure, if, especially if I plan on running it, I read it through like it's a like a novel. Like I'll read cover to cover, um, and very rarely, I can't think of a single instance where like i've had an emotional like oh oh shit or you know like any like any emotional reaction reading through a dnd book yeah well i mean it's, they're they're trying to give you the framework and the materials you need to run a campaign yes so that's what i think i, I think the writing of the books like the goal the goal is different they're giving you a framework so then bringing in those emotional beats bringing in like trying to draw emotion from your player is your job mm-hmm. um I haven't seen a book and I could be wrong because I've obviously not read all of them or to be honest, even read them looking for this specific thing. But I don't think any of them tell you like how to do that. So the framework they are giving you is nothing bolts story. Here's a monster. Here's a stat block. It's not like if you call back this thing that the players interacted with earlier, they are going to feel empathy for this character, you know, anything like that. Yeah. I've seen a little bit of that just in people's homebrews or things like that. So I think, yeah, I think it's totally something that is kind of up to the DM and would be really cool to, it's like adding the flesh to the bones, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, that, so, and honing that would make you a really good DM. Yes. And I, and I feel like, so homebrews a lot of times are like, very passionate people's baby mm-hmm. so like this is the story they've wanted to tell since they were in junior high they've been daydreaming about it for you know 20 years and then they finally got to you know write it down whatever so there is a lot more passion behind those i feel like than the like standard wizards books that come out are, are i feel like they're great i mean like i love strahd they're but passionate I, about the game, not the stories. Exactly. Like the story. It, yes, I think that. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly right there. That's it for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to plus one to gaming.com for episode updates and other good stuff delivered straight to your inbox. 